Hey, welcome to the Runaways podcast. My name is Cody, and today we're going to ask the very important question, are any of these heroes from the new set even good? And today, to answer that question, I am joined by Lucas and Dan. Guys, we are one week into essentially heavy hitters. Uh, we have all the cards. And we start Pro Tour testing officially tomorrow as a team, uh, which is exciting. What are we, uh, how are we feeling so far? Are we excited getting ready for Pro Tour? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty excited. Um, I think some of the new heroes uh, got some interesting things going on and uh, old heroes get some support. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's just so much to go over uh, compared to something like Bright Lights where we only had a few heroes get support and you know the new heroes were a little underwhelming maybe. Um, I think this new set is really, really interesting. It's just like a completely new format. Every hero gets support because there's good generics. Like it's, it's really exciting. Yeah, I too am pretty excited. I think, like you're saying, this set's pretty sweet. Like, just having all these tokens floating around and easy access across the three classes in the set and also outside of it when you're playing against these classes is pretty cool. Um, I'm still not really sure where to start because I feel like a lot of these heroes are pretty playable. Um, but I'm starting to get like inspiration here and there, so I'm, I'm excited to dive in more. Yeah, the break is uh, officially over. Everyone's kind oh, of yeah. been doing non-fab stuff, I think, for the last month and a half, uh, roughly. And now it's time because, honestly, we don't have that many weeks before Pro Tour. If you're, like, on a team that's testing, it's like you look at the schedule and you're like, oh, I need to figure out my CC deck in, like, a month and a half or less. I want to lock in next week, ideally. <laughs> yeah. So, and you have to learn draft on top of this. And we have RTNs we have to go to. Uh, and we're playing Sealed in two weeks for, you know, most of the people. So uh there is a lot to do and there's like a lot to break down because it's a six hero set uh as well uh but i am super pumped to get back into full swing of things and i will i know that we are going to basically blink and it'll be two weeks or one week before pro tour and uh, the panic and it starts to set in and be like can i switch decks yet no no no, <laughs> so, no panic we're gonna be fully prepped in like two weeks yeah i've already actually just practicing uh, i've actually already won the pro tour so it's not really not really a concern <laughs> uh i am trying to initiate a new motto in the team which is i am going to win pro tour or one of our ideas to win pro tour um and i think that is probably like the best mentality everyone on the team can have um is that they will personally either win or one of the ideas that we make is going to win the whole day um but yeah enough about that let's uh actually get into why we're here and what we're talking about is we have a whole new set we have six heroes in them we're going to go through all of the heroes and we're going to talk about after you know one week of testing. So definitely 100% the correct answer on everything. Uh, and some people, you know, less than testing. <laughs> what are these heroes viable at all? Are they playable or should you like not waste your time? And I think the best hero to start with is going to be Betsy. So Betsy, is she good? Should you play her? Should you bring her to RTN? Should you prep her for Pro Tour? Is this uh, the next... The next big guardian. I just don't think Wager can ever be good against every deck in the format. So to me, she's probably always like a meta dependent deck. Um, I haven't seen her like optimized and fully in action yet, so I don't want to like disregard her without seeing it. Um, the guardian pool is obviously very strong. Um, if she can loop tokens consistently, that's pretty good. Um, for what I'm seeing, it seems like clashing with like victor or ko is a better way of doing that than wagering 
Yeah, I don't know. TBD for me. Yeah, I've been pretty unimpressed with Betsy so far, um, probably compared to all the other heroes. Um, I think, like Dan said, Wager is in this weird spot where there's always going to be things that can counter it, uh, and Overpower is not Dominate, um, which also makes it a lot worse. Uh, if people are playing block cards or D-Reacts from hand, it would be pretty easy. I played against a Betsy online, and uh, I didn't lose a single wager. It was like 13 overpower. And I was like, well, I have an unmovable in my hand. So I just block it. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, but uh, she is interesting. Like Dan said, Guardian Pool is really powerful. Um, and uh, there are powerful interactions with her. Um, Money Where Your Mouth Is plus your weapon is a really nice kind of small play that can finish out games. Um, you know, being plus one in addition to overpower is not nothing, right? You're not Bravo. Um, and I also think that the specialization is pretty underrated. Um, again, overpower is still a weakness on the specialization, uh, but being able to wager gold, vigor, and might is really, really powerful. Um, especially if you can hit, you know, you look at three cards for, you know, nine damage plus two tokens and a gold, which can turn into two more tokens. It's like 13 points and it's overpowered and there's a lot going on. Um, but uh, I just don't see her being like a powerhouse in the meta anytime soon uh, without some more good, good wager cards, um, which is the uh, other problem I have with the next year that we'll talk about, I assume. Well, I'll go, I'll go further than that. I think this hero is terrible. Yeah. Uh, I think you shouldn't waste any of your time playing Betsy when Bravo exists. This feels like when Bravo rotates out, this is the hero that they would replace him with is like kind of how that feels to me. Um, I think this hero, it doesn't even matter if she wins her wager. Like she doesn't really do that much with the stuff. Like you could have your vigor and your might token and whatever. It's just like, you have to use your whole hand to play the game anyway. And you're not even dealing that much damage. So meh, win all your wagers. If you want, I'm just going to punch you in the mouth. Like, and I think that's completely fine. Uh, I will say this hero is not going to win Pro Tour. I'll go that far. Like a 0% chance. Mm -hmm. So oh, no. <laughs> I'm locking in Betsy. <laughs> locking in Betsy. Uh, that is an inside joke for people who uh, who have seen me play Star Wars Destiny in one of my, my, my famous calls from that game. Uh, but no, I, I don't really think this is worth spending any time on playing Betsy or buying the cards for it, etc. Unless you just really love the hero. It's not that it's unplayable. Like, you can probably win, like, an RPN with this. Like, I, I think that's very possible. I just don't think, at, like, high-level play, this is a deck that you're going to want to bring when you could just bring Bravo, and Bravo's, like, infinitely better. Um, yeah, you can just wager Bravo if you really want to be doing if that. If you really want to wager, exactly. I don't think you want to be doing that, like... <laughs> yeah, I mean... But I would, I would say... Yeah, I would say cool hero, fun to play, mm -hmm. interesting, like, interactions and stuff. So, like, really well on the design side. As far as the power in the game currently... I would ignore this hero and just play Bravo if you want to play the style, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So. I also don't like that wager when your opponent can block it. Like they have all the choice. Where mm -hmm. like Clash, your deck is built around winning these clashes and like 80% of the time or something, you should be coming out favorable. Where it's like if they have the ability to block your wager, they fully get to dictate who gets what value and who it's better for. Yep. I, I would be very excited if I was wrong. That'd be cool. Um, I just don't think after playing against it and playing with it and trying and working on building it, I just, it's just not there yet. Um, yeah. Like what's her payoff? You get plus one, like overpower is okay. 
this other guardian draws a card every couple of turns. <laughs> Bravo yeah. gets real dominate. I don't know. It has real attack. Yeah, crush. the two best like, attacks in the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, she can play normal like guardian stuff. Like she can be a guardian, mm-hmm. right? Like you could just play it the other way. But at that point, there's like there's no reason why you shouldn't just be playing Bravo. That's just really the issue. She's just severely outclassed. Um, she is cool though. She's really cool. Yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, next hero to talk about. We'll go into the next guardian, uh, which is Victor. Uh, so if Betsy is overshadowed by Bravo, and then we have now we have Victor. Can Victor break out? Can Victor be a playable hero outside of Bravo? Is it good? Yes. I I think definitely maybe. Yeah. Oh, is it good? Yes. Is it good? Yes. Is it better than Bravo? Definitely maybe. Okay. So what what do we like about this hero? What is uh, what's good about it? What's showing promise? Uh, the first line of text uh, says, uh, "Whenever the first time you make a gold token each turn, uh, you draw a card." Um, so that that that's it. Um, like drawing yeah. drawing card, you get four cards per turn. Yeah, drawing twenty five percent more card is pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you have power cards like Trounce, Test of Strength, Golden Sun. These cards are all like incredibly mm-hmm. incredibly powerful. Um, uh, being able to uh, also play different weapon variations. There's like a lot you can do. You can play Miller's Grindstone. You can play Titan's Fist. You can play Anathos. You can play Sledge. You can play, you know, all, you know the shield is, is really good. Um, you have a lot of different things that you can be doing with Victor, and all of them are powerful. It's just trying to find the consistent way to do it. Uh, I think the biggest problem that you might have with a deck like Victor is not the value of the deck or the the power of the deck it's just how he fits into the meta uh, i think victor's the t- kind of hero that if he would have existed since welcome to wraith we would have seen a lot of him he i think he would have you know living legended far by now um i think he is a strong hero but into decks that are slower more setup based like you know pistol item dash or reiner or dromai maybe then you might see victor struggle a little bit where you know, value isn't the game that you're trying to play. Um, he is less good than other decks like him at just killing your opponent and, you know, reducing their life total to zero. Um, but he definitely does powerful things. You know, if you got a lot of, you know, maybe ninjas or, you know, boost dashes or KOs, then he does a lot of interesting things that are really big numbers and really cool value plays. And there's a lot of interesting thing going on there. And there's a lot of cool deck building as well, which is always fun. Agreed. Uh, I I really like Victor. For some reason, he just he like feels really good to play. Like he just feels good when you're playing the deck. Um, hitting like a hitting like a vigor token and yeah, vigor tokens just uh, feel good. Having <laughs> yeah, just having like one. Like, oh, I have a tunic. And yeah. you're like every every round you have vigor. You're like oh, my tunic counters up. Yeah, and like that feels great. Uh, being able to like <clears throat> swing hammer, like swing a sledge for one card feels good. Play off you know a four card card for one card feels good. Um, his every time you you probably like only really draw an extra card on your opponent's turn like two maybe three times a game depending on what like how your deck is built or what you're playing against but even that is just like good enough it's actual like, value it, it's weird it's yeah. yeah it's like actual value like it actually his helmet is actually like maybe cc playable as well just the, like the automatic card draw to block with two yellows oh that helmet is so broken and limited 
in limited it's it's busted. so good but yeah if, if you can play enough yellows in cc i want i want to have it in my deck but i don't want to play yellow so i don't know and you don't want to block with golden sun right you want to keep it in deck or throw it mm. yep so it's like iffy but like just just drawing a card a couple of times a game and all of a sudden you're like oh i feel like really ahead for some reason yeah. well, it's uh, like, and yeah. for some reason the the deck just wins it's like you, you have heroes like Bravo and Betsy where their heroes let you pay resources to maybe get value sometimes. It's like Victor is the first guardian that we've seen since a certain hero we don't talk about that like actually factually gets numbers. Like you get value, you draw cards, right? You have this ability to win clashes, which gives you more value. Like you actually do things with your hero power that aren't just, I'm going to pay two resources to hope that my opponent's arsenal is not unmovable. Like... That's different than we've seen any other Guardian do in the past. <clears throat> yeah, he does struggle on like closing out the game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems to just have just kind of get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if you start losing a bunch of clashes, it feels kind of bad. Um, I would say. Yeah, if your opponent but wins a overall, trap. pretty. Im- <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Sometimes you don't even care. I gotta take. <laughs> you have your gold, yeah. Um, you have your gold. Uh. I do miss playing D-Reacts. That's one of the things that, as you're playing the deck, because you have all the block cards, you can't have like everything in it, right? So you have to pick between your block cards and maybe D-Reacts or no D-Reacts or whatever else is going on. I do kind of miss the D-Reacts in the deck. It uh, feels like kind of a weakness. So I understand why there's no ambush on the block cards, though I really wish there were. Uh, but maybe that, w- that that would probably be too powerful, to be fair. Um, but I don't know. I think the deck feels good. It's definitely worth sinking time in. Dan, anything else? No, I agree. Okay. I like drawing cards too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, he has like a big golden suit of armor. It's like, he's pretty cool as well. I, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people maybe no, don't like him, but I, I, I love the golden suit of armor guy. Uh, I mean, I played a character like that in D&D, just golden suit of armor, and he was a dumb. He was just dumb, and he just walked around <laughs> thinking he was like the coolest thing ever. It, it was super fun. Okay. Uh, next, uh, I think this is probably one of the heroes most people are excited about. Uh, it is Ko, uh, the new brute, uh, moving his way from Blitz to CC with a much better ability, just infinitely better. Well, uh, I don't know. So, what do we think of Ko? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I think most people have caught on that it's a very strong hero. Yeah. Um, just got to figure out the best build, his actual like position in the meta, but. What he does is very consistent and very powerful. You have access to these crazy combo cards, um, a bunch of power cards. Um, yeah, I don't know. He seems good. Just got to figure it out. Yeah, I think this is the... if We, we kind of had this complaint uh, for a long time that we didn't have good new heroes for a while. You know, Bright Lights, maybe it was a bit of a letdown. Outsiders, you know, Uzuri was fine, but Riptide wasn't a whole lot. Arachne was medium, and you know, since Uprising, really, we haven't had anything that just came out and was immediately powerful. This hero's powerful. The, like, you can build him a million different ways right now. They're all pretty good. Um, they're all at least reasonably positioned. And they, they just have such big numbers. Um, it's also, I think, the first hero that we've seen maybe ever. I can't think of another one where you are going to not play all the power cards you have access to. Like, this hero has... Blood Rush Bellow, Berserk, Cast Bones, 
uh, even like Rouse the Ancients, I think counts. Like you have all of these different, like Terra Limb from Limb, like you have all of these different, like really solid cards and you are not just jamming the best cards into every deck. Because if you play, you know, 20 non-sixes and they're all really powerful cards, then they're all going to suck. Um, so he's a really interesting deck building puzzle. Uh, he's also, I think, one of the few heroes that if we're talking about Rota National season, you can probably pick up, get your own brew and go to a Rota Nationals and do successful, uh, even with a limited amount of testing. Um, because a lot of the stuff is pretty simple and you can just build a good normal list, you know, you, you can kind of just figure it out. Like you play Swing Big, you play Bear Fangs, you play Wild Ride, you play other Wild Ride, you play Pulping, you play some power cards, you know, you just like roll a dice, like, you know, one, two Blood Rush, three, four Berserk, five, six Cast Bones, you just roll, play two of them or whatever. Um, and you, you figure it out from there. Um, but I think he's a really interesting deck building puzzle. And yeah, I mean, is there, is there a new hero that's really, really good? Uh, yeah, and, and he's awesome. You just go rah and they all die. Yeah, and he's missing an arm. That's uh, he is missing an arm as well. Uh, I will say this deck. <clears throat> this deck confuses me. I think this deck is very good, uh, but it's trying to be three decks in one. It's uh, it's essentially a, like an all-out aggro deck. It's like that's like one of one of his sleeves. And like another spot, he's a combo deck. And then another spot, he's just a, a pure value deck by give, giving a might every round. And it's like. I look at all these options and I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to properly combine you yet. Like, I don't know what the, like Whoa. the perfect recipe and sideboard is to take advantage of like the three different modes of this hero. And that's like pretty interesting. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I went through the exact same thing. I like started with one build and then I converted to just a value build and then I just deleted it because I couldn't figure out which one I wanted to do. And I couldn't do all three in one. I think there's I mean, like probably a way to do like one and a half and then in the other half in the sideboard. <clears throat> right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I think this deck's gonna be like it's like one of the worst kept secrets. It's a berserk deck, you know. Basically everyone knows you just probably play berserk in here, but maybe not. You could definitely just like not play a berserk build, play like a value-oriented build. I'm just going to take advantage of white tokens. I'm gonna play semi-defensive as well, uh, on top of that. I'm going to play with like new chest and I'm just going to outvalue you over time with like getting plus one on everything. Uh, that's pretty good. Like it can play that style for sure. Uh, but then it can also play like all out. Like none of my cards block. I'm just racing. Like we're just going. Uh, so I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm excited to spend more time with KO. I would say if you are thinking about picking up a brute, if you're looking at the set and saying, Hey, you know, what are the new one of the new heroes I could play? KO is a great choice because it has some flexibility, some adaptability. Um, it has, you know, a weakness where it has no good weapon for the most part. It has like one claw or, you know, one of the other weapons, but it's probably just claw. Searing Ember Blade what? is one of the strongest weapons that we've seen in so long. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Searing Ember Blade, you just have to send an attack beforehand. Essentially, to like give it go again, you have to discard a card. Uh, you get extra value there. So, like, discarding in KO actually feel, doesn't feel as bad as it does in other decks because, like, you're getting, like, all this extra value in other spots, but I definitely understand. But I think this would be a good, this is a good hero to pick up to be like, I'm going to spend time with this because it has a lot of, uh, one, potential to be very good, but two, might be able to be built in a couple of different ways to be kind of resilient against some parts of the meta. Mm -hmm. That's like you can also my build it the way you want to play it. Exactly. Yeah. You can play it whatever style you want to play it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Cool. Uh, so KO is good. We're, we're very happy with KO. Uh, next one is a deck I have talked about quite often. It is Kasai. Uh, that is another hero who made their move from Blitz uh, to CC with a good yep. ability. Same, better ability, probably. Different ability, but probably better. Um, hmm, close. Uh, but what do we think of Kasai? What do we think of the new warrior coming in? There are two yellow power cards. What do we think of this hero so far? Um, I haven't played a whole lot of Kasai, but she obviously does powerful things. Um, Blood on her hands is really mm -hmm. powerful. Uh, raising army is really powerful. Uh, gaining resources with her hero power every turn is powerful. Allegedly, gold is a payoff. So I guess, you know, if you make gold, you know, you can do something with it. I don't really know what it does, but... You know, I mean, it definitely isn't Kasai, right? It definitely isn't like free Kasai, free weapon right? swings is a real payoff. That's <laughs> a whole surge of plate hold. Raise an army. There's a real payoff in the deck. It's a whole card. Yeah. Raise the army. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's clearly a, a solid deck at least, right? She's definitely playable. Um, we, you know, there are some complaints that you see people talking about online. You know, if you just say no blocks, maybe she's a little weak. You know, her damage output is low, but. Valiant Dynamo is one of the craziest cards in the game. Um, she has three really good chess pieces. She has a good hero power, uh, a good card pool that blocks three, which is sweet. Um, Centauri Saber is a pretty good weapon. There's a lot going for her. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think she's another interesting deck building puzzle, which is my favorite part of the set is every hero looks interesting to build. Really, none of them feel like they build themselves. There's, you know, three or four different ways to build all of the new heroes. And that kind of comes with the whole, you know, multiple weapons and multiple, you know, chess pieces for warrior and, and multiple different ways to play. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Kasai is clearly a good deck. We just need to see if it's a great deck. Yeah, I would agree there. Um, I haven't really played much Kasai either, but I'm very interested in the warrior card pool. Um, I think it was previously already pretty strong. Uh, great equipment, obviously. Powerful cards. Um, but I think everything we got on this side is like super appealing. We got some more like power cards that apply to the weapon strategies and the non-weapon strategies. Um, there's a bunch of agility tokens you have access to now. Like I'm sure lead with speed is a terror in CC as well as limited. Um, so I'm just excited to get hands-on with the warrior card pool in general and kind of deep dive the different heroes there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like Kasai. Kasai like kind of frustrates me because you look at the deck and it should be really good. Like it should be a good deck. It has two payoff yellow cards that are like very good. They're like if you play these cards, you mostly win the game a lot of the time. Type of type of effects. She has like can play on a bunch of different hand sizes. She has good armor. She has recurring armor, which is crazy. She is very hard or maybe impossible to fatigue because she has two weapons and that outvalues your block, even if you start with more cards in hand or in deck. Um, but the pieces are like won't go together. I, can't, I, I legitimately can't figure this deck out. Uh, it's like it has you play it and it just is underwhelming. It's incredibly underwhelming, which is the issue. But there should be something here. You look at all the pieces and you're like, there has to be something here that is good. It has all the pieces that should make a good deck. It's missing relevancy. It's missing anything to disrupt your opponent playing the game, which is maybe maybe the reason it can't overcome that. Throw CNCs and pummels in the deck. But it's it, fun. Yeah, exactly. 
But there should, there might, one of the issues might be that the deck looks like it should be built one way and it's supposed to be built a completely different way. They give like a more concrete answer because I'm very interested in someone figuring out how to build this deck is like, you feel like you have to play all the go again cards to give your first weapon go again, but maybe you're supposed to play on an axis where like sometimes you're just like swinging a weapon with a pump or swinging an attack and then like some turns you're playing double weapon and you're not double weaponing every single time. There might be like a world where that's like more how it has to play because it just doesn't have good like turns when you're holding a whole grip or when you go down to three cards. It never feels profitable to hold cards versus blocking with cards. Um, And then it does have the issue where it just doesn't do anything to aggro decks. It kind of like promises to do things like that. That's how I feel about this deck. This deck's like presents damage and presents some on hits to like get to get value later in the game. It's just like asking your part. Hey, eventually the stuff that you're letting me hit with is going to be good. I promise. I promise (laughs) it'll be good eventually. And then you're just hoping that eventually happens. But sometimes and most of the time you're playing like an aggro deck or something else. It just, you never get to that stage. You're like, ah, I got all my things. I could be valuable. And then you look at your health and you're like, but I have to block with all my hands. This is not good. So I, deck feels very hard to build, uh, to figure out how to make it work. I'm very excited for it to be good. I think it has potential to be a very strong or very powerful deck. Uh, it's at least interesting or fun to play. Uh, it becomes less fun to play when you grind a 30 to 40 minute game and then lose in the, <laughs> in the end of it, which is kind of what Kasai has been doing a lot lately, but. I'm very interesting to keep putting it out there. I would be, if you were going to buy into one hero into the set, I'd be hesitant for it to be Kasai. If, you know, if you're looking for something that's more guaranteed, it could pay off and work out. At the same time, it's kind of, it's kind of risky. It, we could find out that it's just like a middling deck that has some like mm, variance matchups, has matchups that it's good into, and then matchups that it's just like really difficult for it to play. That's my long tangent on Kasai. That's the, the hero I spent the, the most time with. Okay, next let's talk about uh, the new hero, Renar. Uh, he is sophisticated now. He's come out with new armor, and he is uh, has a new pitcher, and he's dapper, and he's called Renar. Uh, this is a very interesting new hero. What do we think of the new Renar, his new play style, maybe some new power cards? Uh, is he back? Uh, kinda. I mean, I think Reinar is another example of, uh, we, we've seen this a few times with like Lexi, um, Azalea, uh, was another example or Dash in Bright Lights where a hero is like coming up. It's like on the cusp. It's, you know, starting to see some results. You know, we saw Chandler Toe, Michael Fang do well at some battle hardens with, with this hero. Um, and then it gets a lot of new support in the new set. Um, that makes it interesting. Uh, some key cards. Um, I cannot remember the name of it, but the uh, the specialization, the three for six, that gets plus the intims them, and then it gets plus three if they have no cards in hand. That card is really powerful. Um, Apex Bonebreaker, the gloves that's worth a million points of value. That card is really good. Uh, Bonebreaker Bellow, you know that card is clearly already you know a solid include in a lot of Reiner lists. Um, I'm not sure if any of his problems get solved. Uh, you know, he's always struggled into aggressive decks. Uh, he's struggled sometimes at getting, you know, power turns outside of Blood Rush Bellow, uh, especially if you're not playing a list with a bunch of barraging beatdown style cards. Um, but he does have new tools, like you said, potentially new play styles. Uh, Romping Club gets a lot of support in this set. Uh, Beat Chess is really interesting. You know, we have a lot more 
good real reasons to intimidate that aren't just you know kind of discarding cards with cards that are bad um so i think there's a lot of play to reinar um like i said again i'll say it again the the new gloves is so good for every brute um but uh i'm not sure if it's like a top contender definitely gets better but i'm not sure if reinar is the deck i need to to see somebody else do something with him yeah, I share a lot of the the same sentiment there. I have the same question of is it is it good enough against aggro decks now? Um, I think certainly the gloves bring it closer. Like you're getting at least three extra points of value there. Um, if you're putting your might tokens on a CNC, that's like way harder for aggro decks to block than a CNC for six. Um, so certainly he gets like some percentage points. I would kind of I've, I haven't played him enough yet, but I would assume that he still has issues into very aggressive decks. Um, I really like that we have more options for um, non-attack actions that buff both weapon attacks and normal attacks. Um, I think that's super interesting to build around. Uh, I don't know. I think it looks pretty good. He's got good value going on. His equipment's pretty insane. Uh, not quite as insane as, as Leviah is now with her like 20 block equipment suite, <laughs> but I think Reiner looks pretty good. Yeah, I I think Reinar's good. Just like straight up good. Um Reinar is always been like a role player in the meta. Like if Guardian gets a little too uppity, then like Brute needs to come by and like show him who's boss. And uh it has like you know good uh, matchups into mech, you know, historically. So it's always been like one of those things where if you're playing certain decks, you're like, eh, I really hope I don't play this Reinar's. Um if fatigue becomes prevalent, like Reinar's very good into those type of metas as well. But I, now I think he has a lot more flexibility. Uh, so Reiner before, there was like a level of randomness to the deck that like you just couldn't get away with or, or, or around. And you just kind of had to lean into it or play with it, like either like breaking or using your boots a lot into the Dromai match, and then eventually you hit ones, you're sad. Um, the other option that you had is like, you couldn't play like really technical lines because you had to discard cards out of your hand. So you kind of had to like set up your hand on your opponent's turn to be able to make sure you discarded the right cards when you played your attacks, which meant that like if your opponent just had like a if they blocked you out on the turn, and then there were like hands you got that were just like super risky to play. You're just like, I really hope I hit my one six in my hand, you know. And then it also like restricted your deck building a lot. I think a lot of those issues have been solved by the new cards. So you have agility tokens now and like ways to make them. And that means that you don't have to use your boots as often, especially if you're playing like a matchup where you actually get to hold like a lot of your grip. There's like ways to like chain that make sure you have go again going to the next turn and to like make it more consistent. So anytime like you reduce the variance or the need to use scab skins, I think that's like really, really good for the deck. It's still there in an emergency and that's what it's supposed to be, uh, not just like part of the game plan. So we've we've kind of like eliminated that because you can build the deck to not do that. Second, beat chest is like way better than I think people think it is. Beat chest is like infinitely good because you choose the card that you discard. So a lot of the times you would get um, like any of your power cards, but it wasn't like the turn you wanted to play it on. But a lot of the times you're just like either forced to just block out and do nothing and like set the card uh, or you had to just swing like a weapon. You couldn't actually have like a meaningful turn and then like not play your power card. But what this allows you to do is like with beat chest, you can choose what you discard and then you can set like a power card or a D react or, you know, any, any card that you need, you can now actually like choose to, to arsenal them if you're playing beat chess cards. Um, and that's something that you couldn't do in the past. Like that's like a really big deal. 
for making sure like the deck is more consistent. Also, his new specialization, like you said, uh, Lucas, is just insane. That card is nuts. And it like super punishes people for blocking as well. Like they block it like the amount of times I've been on Talishar, I've played this card out and my opponent's like, ah, here's my two cards. Their hand is empty and like they're still taking the same amount of damage. And there's like no correct answer. It's just like, yeah, give me your cards and take the same amount of damage. It's just alpha rampage, you can't not block. but you don't have to discard a card. Like you still intimidate them twice, basically, because if they have one card in hand, yeah. it's it's still intimidated. Like they can't block with yeah. it. Like <laughs> it does nothing. Um, and so like I'm like I'm pretty happy with where he's at. Um, and it lets you like really, really explore the deck building space. You need way less sixes depending on how you're trying to build or play the deck, which lets you play like a lot more big, like smaller or bigger pieces if you're trying to play like an efficient like claw, uh, efficient like club game. But I think this might be enough to. I think this brings Reinar up. So like if Reinar was playable before, I think this brings Reinar up. And then like in specific metas, it makes him really powerful. But he can now like actually play the game against a lot of decks, and I think a lot of your games you just lose to randomness. I think don't happen. Uh, I think it's very powerful. I can buy that. I'm very interested in Vinar right now. Uh, it's nothing new, but I really like that. Intimidate makes your opponent makes more decisions per turn. Like they're going to calculate their plan with their four cards, and then all of a sudden, completely different. Once you intimidate, like you can't block with this card now. That has to be part of your plan for your turn, and it just makes it harder for your opponent. And the problem before is like if the opponent didn't want to block, like no blocks, and your intimidate didn't do anything if they weren't blocking. But you can actually play cards now that are wager and other like you can play these cards that are just like you have to block, or Hmm. even better, like send packing. Send packing is insane. Like it, it's another, it's a CNC that's like sometimes better than CNC, and it's yellow. I don't know. Very impressed with the new cards for Reinar. Uh, without just making him like the best deck in the game, I think they have sneakily fixed some of the issues while still giving him some, you know, you know, a brute deck, right? So very impressed. Okay, we have one hero left, and I know Lucas, you are so excited to talk about this because I have watched you play a bunch of games with this hero. And you were talking about how excited you were to play this hero. And I may have mentioned that I was excited to play this hero uh, last uh, podcast as well. We have Olympia. Now, Lucas. I think I heard he was like the best value deck in Flesh and Blood or something. Exactly. So tell me why, Lucas, everyone should play Olympia. Why? So I think everybody in the St. Louis Road Nationals season should play Olympia. Because I would like to win a lot of games. Um, Yeah, the hero uh, has not impressed me in the same way that I was hoping. Um, I think the whole, like, gold is a payoff, like, meme is a little silly. I do think gold is a real payoff. Um, I would like a good payoff. Like, you know, Kasai has her, you know, end game or whatever, but Olympia feels a little silly. You know, you have, you know, some games you get, you have like three, four gold and you're like, I'll draw a card, I guess. Like, you know, I'll pitch three blues and just draw three cards and, or two blues and I'll draw three cards. And it's like, that's fine. Um, you, you have to put a lot of work in that. You have to win a lot of wagers. You're probably losing some wagers along the way. So you're losing value there. It's, it's, it's a little underwhelming. Uh, double down is fine. Um, cash in is less fine. Um, 
I think the biggest problem that I have with Olympia is a similar problem to what I have with Betsy, like I was saying earlier. Um, I think Betsy's problem is winning the wagers isn't doing a whole lot, but Olympia's problem is you can't win the wagers very often because the wagers are all bad. Uh, most of the cards that wager are just, well, actually, I think literally all of the cards that have wager on them are just on-rate cards that just also say wager. You know, you're playing these one-for-three pumps that are below rate that hope to be rate. You know, it's like you you wager to, to be a one-for-four with go again, which is just a rate. Uh, you know, you get some extra value off of the gold maybe, but, you know, if, if they block your card, then it's just you just played this one for three with go again that gives your opponent a might or not a might an agility or, or whatever um so i think that the biggest problem that olympia has ultimately is that his hero power says wager and all of the cards that say wager are terrible uh also the which weapon you play is kind of a problem he doesn't have a weapon that you know fits with his play style uh decimator great axe i think is probably just the best thing you can be doing with olympia but I think that's because of Decimator Great Axe. It's not because of Olympia, right? You can just play Dorinthia. You can play Kasai if you think that she's uh, cooler than Olympia. They do the same thing, which is nothing. Um, you can play Bolton if you want to play Soul Shield. Um, Olympia's hat is good, I guess, but like it's not that good. Uh, I don't know. I I just was very underwhelmed by this hero. I was really excited to play him. Uh, playing three for sevens, you know, raging onslaughts with text is is my jam. Playing, you know, stupid guardian decks that are boring. It's like blocking with two cards and sending two cards. That's sweet. Um, but it's really bad when you block with two cards and you send two cards and you, you know, you wager an agility token and then they just like block three and then sink below. And then you just played a four card 13 and they got an agility token for free. Um, so I think I think this deck is just lacking any sort of power cards at all. None of the cards are really impressive. The equipment is fine, but it's worse than the other Warriors equipment, in my opinion. Um, really, the only interesting thing about Olympia is Decimator Great Axe. There is some cool stuff with Decimator Great Axe, right? It makes it harder to block your wagers. Uh, the weapon is really good in a you know fatigue style deck, but I just don't know why you're playing Olympia over any other Warrior or any other deck really there's just not a compelling reason for me oh also the specialization is yeah. terrible compared to every other new hero specialization which their specializations are all like really good except for ko ko's is also pretty bad but like olympia specialization is just not very good unless you combine it with command and conquer like exactly and even then it's, it's just it's just lunging press like who cares it's just lunging press no, I think it's a very common trend we see in this game. Like having multiple power cards in your deck makes you a good deck. Like most games yeah. you see more than half your deck. A lot of games you see your whole deck. If you have 12 power cards versus your opponent's three power cards, your deck might be better. Um, but otherwise, I agree. Like I don't want to be wagering in every matchup. I think wager might be potentially very good against like ninjas and azalea, decks that struggle to block. Um, but I don't want my hero to be built around wager unless it's a very specific meta. Um, and if I'm not wagering, I don't know why I'm playing Olympia. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with like everything you guys said. Um, I think this hero needs some more cards to be good. 
there has potential there. It needs a payoff card. It needs a spear because it doesn't have a weapon. They just didn't give him weapons, which is just weird. Um, I, I know he's supposed to play like some of the daggers, but like they kind of just don't fit with his kit in a way that you actually want to play the game, like you were saying, Lucas. So like, and I think he's supposed to have a spear. He looks like he should have a spear. Just give him a spear. Uh, I want a spear weapon in the game really bad. Uh, okay. I think Olympia is trash and you should not play him. Um, with that said, you can definitely win games with his hero. Lucas yep. won games with his hero. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the warrior pose is very won, strong still. I, I, it's yeah, just not I like won almost all of my games specific with his hero. to him. I just also would have won those. Yeah, I, I won yeah. All, like all the I, games. I mean, just also. Yeah, I think I think Axe won you all your games. Yeah, a little yes. bit. Um, yes, but yeah. makes sense. Um, I think we had we talked about this. You're just like, hey, I'm doing all these things, and I can watch you play games. So I was like, hey, this is really powerful. That axe thing's really good. We should just play it in Dory, not this bad hero, uh, yes. <laughs> like you said. But I agree. I just I don't think this. I was excited for Olympia. I I saw some potential there, like you did before we had all the cards, and I was like, hey, there's like a chance, like this really simple ability is actually pretty good. Um, and he just didn't get the the rest of his cards, and maybe that's because they were trying to balance around sealed or you know something else and they're just going to give it to him later or maybe he'll just be you know relegated as one of the one-off heroes but we will see what happens with olympia i would say do not invest uh just play dory okay anything else on olympia before we move on nope okay so uh what we have next is some questions from our Discord. Uh, if you would like to be able to ask questions on the podcast, feel free to join our Discord below uh, and join one of the premium tiers. You'll then be able to ask questions of the podcast. Uh, also, we have draft going in our podcast as well, uh, in our uh, Discord as well, not our podcast. If I was drafting right now, uh, I'd be a little bit more distracted. Uh, however, if you would like to be able to draft, it is free. It is open to the public. Uh, all the instructions on how to do that you can find in the Discord, and the link is the same link below. Okay, so let's get into the questions here. Uh, so the first question from Millen, he asks, do you think Guardian cards are not that good due to Bravo's place in the meta? So I assume what he's asking is, these are obviously less powerful Guardian cards that we've seen in this set. Uh, do you think they're doing that because Bravo is maybe too powerful? Um, I think what they did was interesting because the cards aren't worse. I think, I think they just fit into different slots than what people are used to. Um, we don't have a crippling crush or a starstruck, but we do have some really powerful cards. Uh, clash with vigor, clash with might. Um, the card that uh the the five for nine that's a three for 11 if you have both tokens like there are some really powerful cards in the set for guardian but they are designed in a way where they only work like in the context of each other um so that we don't have bravo you know just running rampant because he got all these broken new cards i don't think that we got bad guardian cards because bravo is good i think what we got was different guardian cards that work in their own shell outside of bravo um i think yeah if we got a bunch of cards that are the same quality as the cards we got but they were all just 
cards with crush and you know cards that were good with pummel and bravo's hero power then you know we might have seen a problem um but you know the power cards in the set are you know trounce and uh you know the five for nine and, and clash with vigor and things like that uh which are much tamer and separate from bravo clash with vigor yeah clash um, with vigor yeah yeah I would agree. I mean, I think yep. I think these Guardian cards are fine. Uh, they are equal to the power level mm -hmm. of cards that we've seen previously in the last several sets from the depowering mm -hmm. down of the game. I think they're in line with that, or maybe actually higher. I think they're actually higher than the baseline cards that we've seen in the previous couple of sets, mm -hmm. to be honest. And I think Clash of Vigor is like the best card in the entire set that was released. I Because if you give your opponent a Vigor, it like doesn't really matter. It's not like a Might. Giving your opponent a Might feels terrible. Like, absolutely god-awful when you're just like, well, and they're like, they win the Clash and they get the Might token. You're like, what have I done to myself? And like, it just feels bad. But when you give them a Vigor token, you're just like, eh, your deck is built with a mana base to pay for all your stuff anyway. So, like, the amount that that does to you is kind of just negligent. It's just like, whatever. But the, the Might has, like, an immediate impact. But when you get a Vigor, oh, oh, I got an extra Tunic. You have, like, Tunic on your cards. I don't know. I think that card is crazy. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think the pull is actually pretty sweet for Guardian with all the token access. Okay, cool. Next question here. Uh, with sealed deck being important uh, as a day one filter, I'm guessing they're asking about the uh, calling coming up. Uh, do you have any tips to evaluate the sealed deck value exchanges for instance if your pool has yellow blue cards or hardly red attacks and this is from clads i will say i don't think that's possible i think these uh, are weighted well enough that you're not just going to be starved on red like you were in bright lights um so i, I don't think that is something you have to worry about uh but i will say uh for me personally if i'm looking at sealed and we do have a video coming out on this um that should give you you know a lot of information on sealed and what to expect for pre-release as well as the calling. Uh, but I will say I'm looking for any of the power cards in each individual hero, whether that be like pumps or uh, their specialization or making sure I have armor. These are all like things that go around because if you start building set sealed decks, you're going to like drift to, K uh, to KO like every time. For some reason, every pool just wants to be a KO deck. Uh, that's <laughs> uh, because like it just looks at first glance uh, the best. But I'm going to look for like you know, wager cards and how many block threes that I have and, you know, kind of the nitty gritty there to try to really determine which one is you know, better. Yeah, I've done quite a few sealed pulls already. And I feel like every time I actually had like a pretty clear direction, which has been nice. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, somewhere like I check my equipment. Um, the class equipment that blocks for two is pretty strong. Um, if you have any of the token makers, check for the specialization, start there. Then I usually go through my reds just to see like, rough count per per hero um the wager based heroes are a little harder to pull off because there's not that many wager cards but maybe your pool has a ton of them check for things like that i think guardian is a little tough and sealed if you don't have enough three blocks um because you're you're usually playing this like on turn off turn pattern where you're setting up these auras um and the three blocks help you um save health so you have health to pivot when you you're pushing at the end Uh, I don't have a lot else to say about this. Like you guys said, look for wager cards. Just look for reasons to be in one of the heroes. 
right? Um, I, you know, pretty easy thing is just which classes have good cost curves, which classes have, you know, enough three blocks. And then, you know, if you've figured out your class, then you just see, you know, which cards synergize better with which heroes. Um, yeah, not a whole lot to it, I think. But, uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, so Noivin asked the next question, um, and I will uh, actually have a very simple answer for this one, but uh, he is looking for a guide to evaluate the sealed pool and make uh, optional choices of heroes to use, very similar to the last question. Um, he watched uh, James White's process for evaluating the sealed pool at the Celebrational, uh, which was looking for wagers early, um, and what kind of checklists do we have deciding on our hero. Uh, we kind of answered that a little bit on here, but I will say the video coming out will definitely help. Um, break this down for you a lot more. So do stay tuned for that. Okay. Yep. Next question here. I like this one. It is uh, going to be from Millen as well. And it says, how to evaluate new heroes? Uh, he said he started playing with Uprising uh, after playing Phi, and he wanted to you know play something other than Ninja Aggro. Uh, but every time he plays a new hero, it just ends up feeling bad. Uh, if one example is Riptide, I will say that is... Uh, just because that hero is bad, so it'll definitely feel bad. And then he said the other hero he tried is Vincent. I will say that hero is also bad, so that is why they felt bad. Sometimes, I hate to say it, but heroes are just bad. And you're going from like Phi, which is like kind of smooth to play. It does have its like variants, but it feels smooth. And then you're you're going into these decks that are way below rate compared to the deck you're playing and other decks in the meta. So that is going to be very jarring uh, when you first play it. So I would look to find other established top decks or other decks that are very good and start playing those to see why those are powerful. Um, so when you move from like, my, my opinion is when you move from a style to another style, you should pick the best of that style um, deck to play because that'll show you why that style of play makes sense. And then from there, you can branch out in areas. Yeah, I think in terms of like new decks coming out, also like just look at the number of power cards and power plays that the deck has access to. And then compare that to um, the other decks of the same or other heroes of the same class. And if they're already doing it better, that's probably when you know to bail out like Riptide in this case, like he has the same power cards as Lexi, but he's missing a really important one, which is the bow. Um, It's like, why would you be playing Riptide when Lexi existed? Right. Um, Whereas Winset just doesn't have power cards. They forgot to print them, I guess. Yeah. Yes. They did. Yep. I think there's like three uh, things that you look at when you're evaluating any hero. It's your your hero, your weapon, your equipment, right? The things you get every game, right? You look at a hero like, you know, Chain. Chain had a really good weapon, a really good hero, really good equipment. Uh, you look at the power cards, like Dan said, are really important. You have a hero like Lexi that just has, you know, Codex, Rain Razors, three of a kind, uh, Codex of Inertia, which is the best card in the game. Um, and then you also have to look at the, you know, average turns, you know, just your, your normal boring cards. Um, you have a hero like Azalea, which has, you know, all of the laces and, you know, just good arrows. So her average turns are fine. She has her power cards with things like Codex of Frailty. And then, you know, she has her, her reasonable equipment suite. And then if you look at some of the weaker heroes, like, again, Riptide's a great example. The hero isn't very good. The weapon isn't very... The weapon's fine if it's Death Dealer um the equipment's very bad you know um your average turns aren't doing anything that other heroes aren't doing and you don't really have 
unique power cards outside of collapsing trap and uh i mean the the three legendary traps are fine but those are really your only power cards that nobody else has access to um so if you see a new hero and it doesn't have any of those like olympia for example you know doesn't really have a hero power or a weapon that's better than the other warriors doesn't really have power cards that are better than the other warriors and doesn't have good consistency you know good medium pieces compared to the other warriors you know his wager cards are bad, his equipments or whatever, his hero doesn't do anything like versus a hero like Victor, you know, you have a good hero power, you have good solid guardian baseline cards, and then you do have power cards. You have Test of Strength, Thunk, or Thump, whatever it's called, Thunk, I think, uh, Golden Sun. Um, so just like evaluating with those three categories, I think is the easiest way to like check off whether or not a hero is going to be good um, before getting into any nuance. Perfect. Okay, last question here from Fighting While Loon. It says, Michael Fang wrote in a recent blog that losing is a great way to learn things in FAB. What is a story of a loss that you had that taught you something important? I mean, first off, I love losing at armories. Like, if I'm losing at armories, I'm actually just winning because I'm not going to forget any of the reasons I lost those games. I'm going to learn the most that way. Uh, whether it's because I took like an alternative playline than I usually would, or because I just made a mistake, and now that is cemented into my brain. Um, I played a couple Azalea games at Armory this week. Uh, speaking of, I think that deck is kind of a problem. Um, not very fun <laughs> on either side. But I forgot that Death Dealer drew a card, and like I didn't calculate my hand properly. Um, so after I played my turn, I just had this extra card. And I literally lost the game by like one card value. So now I'm never going to forget that Death Dealer draws a card. It's a weak example, but it's a recent one. Yep. I I do have an example. I think uh, one thing in general, though, that I've noticed with a lot of people playing Flesh and Blood when they lose is they will blame something other than their own play. And they'll, they'll say the thing like, I usually don't blame variants, but this was silly, right? When even if it is a big variance play, you know, like they, they lost because of that. But uh, making sure that you actually assess what you could have done better to lose is really important. Sometimes you do lose because of variance, right? Sometimes you do lose because it was a bad matchup. But there is usually something you could have done to sneak in a little bit of extra value here or there. So trying to look back and evaluate how you could do that uh, is really important. Uh, I do have a, an example of uh, a learning experience that I had um, at Pro Tour Baltimore, uh, actually. Um, it was not a winning in, but it was a losing out uh, for top eight. I was X and two at the time. Um, the, there were two rounds left. I played against uh, Jake Warburton. Uh, he's an Azalea player that actually ended up top eighting the event. Um, I was playing Lexi. He was playing Azalea. And I basically, I had a turn where I had already blocked with my New Horizon. And I had a Command and Conquer in my hand. I don't remember perfect details, but basically I decided to keep the Command and Conquer in my hand because I thought that if I could keep cards next turn, I could kill him. But, and I, I thought I was in a position where I'd be able to, um, but if I arsenal the Command and Conquer, my turn could never be any better than just throw the CNC. Uh, I decided to keep it in my hand, and then I had to block with two cards. And if I had just had Command and Conquer my arsenal, and I could have thrown that, uh, it would have been much better than what I ended up doing. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure if I would have won the game, but I absolutely would have been in a better position. Um, and that, that was one of those games where when I looked back on it initially, I looked back and I told everybody that I knew I was like, Oh, I got read in the legend a million times. And, you know, he had a good, really good blind Azalea against me. And, 
you know, he drew the perfect hand, you know, he death dealer twice with no cards and drew the pump on his, his arrow. And then, you know, after the tournament, I kind of like sat down to myself and I was like, maybe you got a little bit unlucky a few times, but what could you have done differently? Um, there was the command and conquer turn. There was another turn that I think I, I maybe could have done something else. Um, but just like making sure that you can get past any like tilt or frustration you have and like finding an example where you made, you know, a micro decision and you think you, you might've made the wrong one is really important. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I can sum this up pretty well. I think losing makes like the lessons for the game very apparent. Like it puts it in your face. Like something went wrong. Yeah. Like, you know that for a fact because you lost and now you can dig through the game through your memory and figure out what that lesson is and extract it. You ideally would do that when you win games too. It's just easier when you lose, which is why it can be a benefit at the local level. I, um, I have, I have like a lot. I mean, when we were learning chain, we went, I went to a million RTNs, a million tournaments and just like didn't win them. And every time I would just, it was like a, a progression. Like I, I think, you know, the first season of RTNs, I think I won like three RTNs out of like the 12 or something we went to. because It was like ridiculous back then. Um, but it was just like a progression. It was just like, I oh, got better, got better. Deck got better. I got better. Oh, you know, what happened this time? And it's like why you see people like Brody and Fang constantly be, you know, getting better and, and doing better. So they're going to every tournament. So the more tournaments you can go to, especially if you could lose in a tournament, like if you could just buy a bunch of tournament losses, it's like makes you infinitely better. Uh, at playing the game because those losses are you know a little bit more real than a lot of the other losses Mm -hmm. you can get i will say uh i also have similar like the opposite issue a lot of times when i win i look at reasons of like i only won because of this happened and it makes me like undervalue certain decks i think as well um so there is like value in knowing why you won games um in, in the same way of why you lost games so if you look at like Uh, so you can do it on both sides so why you lost is very apparent most of the time or at least you know you can think of what you could do differently but why you won i always like to think of like the opposite why did i win this game what moment mattered what draw mattered what decision point did my opponent make that like they made the mistake and so like if you think of it on both sides then you can in my opinion try and learn twice as fast than just when you lose yeah and And write down the lessons that's like to help with Yes, absolutely. And that's that the solidifies help it way more, and you can every review it later. later. Mm. Yep. yep. Cool. Uh, well, my cue just popped for my draft. So, bye, guys. Yeah, See we'll ya. The Seven. Here, but, um, envelope what we could do here darkness. is go ahead and play the envelope. Uh, all three pitches of envelope and darkness.